very excited about today because today we begin a brand new series called Mile Markers. And uh, as we dive into it, I'm, uh, as a pastor, aware that the people under the sound of my voice, you all have different kind of parts of your story that you're in. Some people have been walking with the Lord for a long time. Others, they just gave their life to Jesus a week ago. Some are just curious and kind of standing on the sidelines and looking and observing. And we're all coming from different vantage points, but we're all meant to grow. He made us brand new upon salvation, and, but the, that wasn't the end of the story. He was just getting started. And God had a plan for all of us beyond the new birth. We need to grow in our faith, much like we grow as people. Uh, I was going through some pictures this week and uh, of myself and my family, and, uh, and I looked at some old, old pictures of me. I, I found a couple, one of uh, which was when I was a baby, and I was in the high chair, and, and they had food, and they were feeding me, and uh, man, life was so good back then, you know? And then eventually, I took my first steps, and I took a step, and uh, how many remember when your kids took their first step? Uh, and then how many know it was a run from there on, and you're trying to chase them down? And then I continued to grow up just as we all do. And I remember going to school, taking the school, elementary school photo. And, uh, you know, mom probably worked on me for a little bit. And, but then I was in the Cub Scouts. And uh, in the Cub Scouts, I had to earn a bunch of badges, and I was growing up, and I thought I was really something. And uh, we had, we, we had a, a pack that met at our house, and my dad was the, the leader of the den. And, uh, and so I, I remember that time. But then I grew up a little bit more and uh, went into high school, was about to graduate, and I got a picture of me and my dad. And, uh, and uh, I've got my, my letter jacket on, and I don't think either of us look very happy in that picture. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I think, you know, sometimes a parent-teen relationships can butt heads sometimes, right? I have no idea what's going on in the backdrop of that story. And I wanted to do my own thing, and I wanted to drive a car and go where I wanted to go, and I wanted him to pay for it, you know? And, um, and so that was a different part of my decision. Then I, Jody came into my life, and, and uh, I started down the, the, the road with uh, becoming a pastor, and then we had four sons come into our house, and we had to raise them and grow them, and, and I got a picture more recently of uh, when Tim Tebow was here back in February, and I uh, got in the office and got my family together with Tim, and, and uh, he's the skinny one in the middle, that's not me, just in case you were wondering. And, uh, you know, I was just reflecting on the process of development and growth that I've had to walk through. And it hasn't all been easy. I've had some really high highs and some really low lows. But through it all, I've been growing. And we all need to keep growing, not just physically and not just in, in financial terms and in career terms, but spiritually as well. And uh, when, when we're growing, Jesus is leading the way. It says in 1 Peter 2.21, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Say that last phrase with me. You must follow in his steps. I love the language of this, that Jesus is leading, and and we're following him. I remember when my, my kids were younger, they would walk behind me and, 
and they would try to jump to try to step where I stepped. How many of you have ever seen kids do that? And uh, of course, my legs were longer than theirs were. They were shorter. And it was much more difficult for them to step where I'm stepping. And, and that's kind of the, the language that Jesus is leading the way. We may be young and we may not know what we're doing. And we might be kind of uh, toddler-like. But we can grow in our faith and step where he stepped. And I believe that we can become more and more like Jesus as we walk. In fact, nowadays, my sons all wear my same shoe size, which means they're wearing my shoes nowadays. See, Jesus is our example that we should follow in his steps, and he is taking us somewhere. We're not meant to be stationary. We're not meant just to come to faith in Jesus Christ, experience the the new birth, but we are to grow. We're to move and go somewhere, and then there will be specific mile markers along the way and checkpoints where we can evaluate our growth, how far we've come, where we are right now, and where we are going. He'll give us everything we need on this journey. So maybe you're thinking here today, but Pastor Nate, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't, I didn't have a family to show me. I, I look at people in the room and, and it seems like there's other people that are way more spiritual than me. I'm a little intimidated watching people raise their hands and I'm not quite there yet um, or uh, share their faith or pray out loud. And you could look and you could go be intimidated and you can have self-talk that kind of walks you right out of being a disciple or a footstepper after Jesus. And I just want to encourage you with something, that the Bible says you have everything you need to make it on this journey, no matter what your background is. In fact, it says in 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Isn't that good? I mean, the favorite part of that is God has given us everything we need for living a godly life, meaning there are resources available so that you can make it. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can make it. Now, Jesus gives us insight to what happens in our life in terms of growth, and he, he does it through stories. In Matthew chapter 13, why don't you turn there? In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is sharing stories. Some, are called, some people call them parables. But he tells a story, and wrapped within a story is a kingdom insight. And he tells a story in a way that only the hungry will catch it. You could fly over this and go, that's a good story, and miss the value of it if you don't pause and really think about it. And what he does is he begins to talk about a farmer. And that farmer goes out and he, he has seed. And that seed's meant to grow. So he goes out and he spreads the seed. And some fell on the footpath and the birds ate them. And some fell on rocky and shallow soil. And the seed sprouted quickly but died in the sun because it didn't have deep roots. And some fell among thorns that choked new plants as, it, as they grew. And some fell on fertile soil where it says it produced crops that were 30, 60, and 100 times what were planted. But then Jesus tells the story, but just in case you miss it, he turns around and he explains his story. And he explains it starting with verse 18. This is what he says. Now listen. Everybody said listen. Listen. When Jesus says listen, you ought to listen. 
Now listen to the explanation of the parable about this farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, don't understand it. Then the evil one comes in and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. And the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as he had planted. Now Jesus is giving a metaphor language of a farm of seed and of crops. And there's all kinds of obstacles to that seed growing. But he has planted a seed. Now I want you to catch this. What he is essentially saying is he's planted a seed in us that we need to mature and grow in so that we can grow and, as he says, produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted. In other words, the seed has unlimited potential. The seed, the same seed that's planted in me can get planted in you. It's the same seed. It's not some seed for wealthy people and some seed, a different kind of seed for those that don't have any money. It's not, well, those people that are old Immature get really good seed and the immature get bad seed. No, the seed is the same no matter what. The difference is the heart or the soil, okay? And the soil, as Jesus talks about it, it determines whether or not the potential of the seed is reached. In other words, there is something about the soil, about the heart. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's about the soil. So the planter, the sower of the seeds, is going out, and the difference is the soil. We have a crucial responsibility to pay attention to the soil of our own heart so that we can grow into maturity. And verse 9, just in case you need to remember this, Jesus said, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. What he's asking of us is to contemplate the story, to think about ourselves, and to consider our future. How do we measure growth in the natural? We measure it many different ways. Little kids, I remember taking our family back to Michigan when my parents lived out there and they had a house and every time that we'd get there, there was a little doorpost and my dad would mark the height of each of the kids for the trip. So as they got taller and then put the date next to it and and my, my boys loved to go see how much taller they were than the last visit that we were on. Some kids, they get so excited because when they reach the point when they can ride the roller coaster at Valley Fair. You know what I'm talking about? You can kind of see the development or the growth. Businesses evaluate their growth. And they measure it year to year, profit and loss. They think in terms of advancement or the growth of a company. Churches measure many different ways. Sometimes the more... Uh, kind of uh, 
low-level thinking and not very deep spiritually. They just think about attendance and dollars. And they think, but you know what? Let me just say this about that. I don't think we should measure attendance because we want to make ourselves feel better. I think we we want to count people because people count. In other words, it's got to be back on the individual. Now, there's measurements that we look at. Are we doing well? Are we not doing well? For a Christian, for individuals, how can we measure our spiritual growth? How do we measure the width and the depth of our soul? It's not by just having more knowledge or spending more time in church. I've known a lot of people that have been in church, but they're not any more mature than they were 10 years ago. They got more knowledge. They might know more about scripture. They might know more rules. And they might have perfect attendance. But that does not equal spiritual maturity and growth. Listen, friends. Obedience is how we develop maturity and growth. We obey what the word says and what we do with it. Now, to help me out with this, I want to look at those stages of growth. As we start our Mile Markers series here, I want, to, I want you to begin to think about your life and think about your own growth through a different lens. And to help me, I'd like to have Kaylee and Dave and Pastor Ben and Kathy come on up to the platform. As they're coming, I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 5 with me. Hebrews chapter 5. It says this, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So I want to talk about the differences of stages that we're in and, uh, and the spiritual condition. We have Kaylee here. And Kaylee... Uh, actually, she uh, gave her life to Christ about a year ago, and uh, she jumped in and she said yes to what God's doing in her life. And, and the cool thing about that is she's learning a lot. She's over the last year grown in her faith, and she's involved with our youth ministry, and she's involved with a, a Bible club at, at her high school, and, and so she's growing in faith. But she represents, for purposes of your spiritual devel- development today, the infant stage. Everybody that comes to faith in Jesus Christ starts off as a baby. And babies need milk. Uh, they need spiritual milk. They need to be, get the bottle put in their f- face, and they need to, to, to learn things in simple ways. When it comes to faith, we don't just throw steak and deep spiritual concepts at new believers. No, we want to walk them through what the Bible is, what prayer is, why being involved in relationship with other believers is an important thing. Here at our church, we give out a little book called Fresh Start with God. That's just a tiny book that gives new believers uh, a road to, to walk when they give their life to Jesus, but they don't know anything about the faith journey. That's what the infant stage is. Then next to Kaylee is Dave. Now, Dave represents, re- represents kids. Some of those were sympathy claps, buddy. I'm just wanting to let you know. All right. Now, Dave, I actually met him when he was a child, a kid. Um, he now has his own children. 
but he represents the kind of elementary phase of life. Uh, they're growing, they're not an infant, and, uh, and they're growing in faith, but they're being taught by spiritual leaders or parents in the natural world, that's the way it is. And then, and then here, Pastor Ben represents the adolescent or teenage kind of stage of development, okay? Now, see what Dave started? I just see how it works. Uh, now, I, I chose Pastor Ben because he can take a little ribbing. He might get a little bit in this message. But in the adolescent teen stage, what happens is we begin to ask the question of why and what. Why do I have to do this? What's this about? And, and uh, in the spiritual world, in the spiritual development, that's true as well. We have, we have growth where we begin to ask questions. It's not as simple as what they told me. Here, whatever you say, I don't understand it all, but I just love Jesus, right? I'm learning more about the word and what it means. Why? <laughs> Y'all told me this. Why? Why do I have to believe it? Is it true? There's other things. Why does, what, what makes Christianity different than other things? So we hit a phase, okay? Now, I want you to understand something. None of these stages are wrong or inferior to another. They're growth phases, Okay? You need to go through these phases, okay? You ask the why and what. And then Kathy is our mature believer, okay? Now, Kathy, Kathy is at a place in her story where she's already figured out the why and the what. And she's not worried about the debate anymore. She's settled it in her soul. She's gone through struggles and trials and, and she's discovered I know who Jesus is and my identity is in him. And whether things are up or down and I'm having a good day or I'm having a bad day or somebody talked about me behind my back, I'm stable because I know who I am in Jesus. Now, can you see the differences in these phases? Because this is the growth, the spiritual growth that we are to walk through. And by the way, adolescence is not an age group today. It's a state of mind. I know some people who are 55 years old and they're in the young adult teenage stage. They're not in this church, but I know there's, there's some people out there. Okay? And when it comes to our growth and development, the scripture that we just read uh, refers to milk and what we eat and natural food. And if you would think about what we eat and how we go through the process... For the baby stage, the, we're fed, right? Somebody sticks the bottle in our mouth and we are fed. When we go to the child's phase, the children, little kids, we cut their food up for them. We tell them what to eat, when to eat it, how to clean up after it, okay? But then we grow into the teenage phase, the young adult phase, and we know how to feed ourselves and we sometimes complain about it. But uh, at this phase... We want to do what we want to do. We want to eat what we want to eat. And then we begin to ask questions about our spiritual journey in new ways. Why do I have to be baptized? Why? What's the importance of it? It doesn't make sense to me. And we are impatient. You're so impatient. I don't know what it is, but in this phase of the journey, we're impatient. We're in the drive-thru and they're going, they're not going fast enough. I didn't like the food you cooked for me tonight. And there's the, that was probably me and my dad in that picture, right? There's something about 
a myopic, self-centered, selfie approach to life in this phase. Everything is measured by what it does for me. What's in it for me? And then by the time we grow through that into the mature phase, we've discovered in our eating, we're maturity, we already know what our why and our what is, so we're okay. And then we can be patient with the impatient people around us. My dad used to say, son, God is teaching you patience and you are the patient. (laughs) There's something about mature believers And by the way, I've known 18-year-old mature believers, and I've known 65-year-old immature believers. But there's something about a mature believer that doesn't get thrown off by the chaos around them, that they're at peace and they have patience. And it's not just seen through that, but what about like with generosity, the generosity of our time and what we give to and our money? When you talk about the infant phase, It's like you get saved, you're coming to church for the first time, you're like, look at all these people, and they got sound systems and a drinking fountain, and everything is amazing, and worship, and I didn't do anything, somebody else paid for it. This is awesome. They're truly grateful, and they're thankful for it, but they're not able to do anything yet, although they can appreciate the new furniture through Hello Possible in the nursery, amen. But then, as they grow in their faith, they've watched their mom and dad or they've learned and heard that it's good to give something in the offering. So they pull the dollar out, put in the offering and feel good about themselves. I did it, I gave a dollar. It's awesome, right? And the parents are teaching them. But by the time we get to this phase, 10%, I thought that money was for me. I'm getting out of this thing. You want me to serve? I don't feel called to that right now. I'm sorry, I got other plans. With Brother Pillow and Sister Sheets, I'm going to sleep in on Sunday morning. Right? So in this phase, we reach a point in our story where we're not giving because we're told to. We're not serving because we're told to. And we are asked to, but God begins to do a work in us and we hear the prompting. We know we should, but we wanna fight against it. And when we grow through it and we discover the benefits of a life lived with Jesus and following in his footsteps and a surrender of everything, not just 10%, but God, my whole life is yours. We've reached the maturity phase. And then we're like, Lord, I see myself as a steward of everything you've given me. And I am so excited that you've allowed me to invest. I get to serve. I get to serve. I get to give my life. I'm praying, Lord, that you keep helping me in my business and how I make money so that I can support more orphanages and people around the world and see things happen. I I get to do what other believers can't do yet because of all that you've done for me. Can you see the difference? There's a different view of the world and why we do what we do because the why and the what is taken care of. But then there's a spiritual development where God begins to work in us. See, when we're an infant, we thank him for all that he's done for us and we're excited about what comes next. But as we move into spiritual childhood, 
The Holy Spirit begins to take the stuff out of us. Things that we once did but really aren't good for our spiritual health. And the Spirit begins to prompt us and that we're not doing the things we used to do anymore. And much like it is with children in the house, parents are telling their kids, don't touch that stove. There's a lot of don'ts. Don't, 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 don't. And by the time we move towards adolescence, towards that young adulthood season of our spiritual journey, we reach a point where God begins to not just challenge us not to do things, but he begins to drop dreams and visions of what could be and what we could be doing. Things that we are to do, to love others, to share our faith, to, to give or to forgive. But we begin to say no. And let me just say this. When the Spirit is working on us and we say no, something happens, our growth stops. We may be in a church, but the church isn't in us. We become stagnant in our faith. That's what that passage in Hebrews is talking about. Something stops within us. We have to learn to work through and to begin to say yes. And it is a process, not an event. Just because you said no last week doesn't mean it's over this week. The Spirit continues to speak to you, prompting you and wanting you to grow up. And then the mature adult, we progressively learn to say yes, even when we don't want to because of the leading of the Spirit. And here's the challenge. The challenge in the mature phase of our journey is to not get to a point where we think we've reached the end of our growth because the Spirit will continue to speak to us. And if we say no, and we say no enough times, then we actually regress and move backward in our spiritual journey. And we become former mature spiritual people. We become people who no longer are bringing the benefits that God wants us to bring to the world around us. And I believe that God wants all of us to grow no matter the stage that we're in. One of the best ways for us to see where we're at is in regard to suffering or difficult times that we go through. See, when an infant hits a difficult time and the struggle and the pain is real and they get their shots, it's, Wah! there's an immediate, right? And the response of the parent is comfort. We comfort them in their pain. As they grow a little bit older, we educate them about their pain. Hey, this is why you're getting shots. It's preventing diseases. It's an important thing in your story. And yes, it will hurt, but you will get over it and things will be okay. So we both comfort and educate. By the time we get to be into the young adult phase, now we're in a place where the young adult isn't taking what other people tell them anymore. They're interpreting what's in front of them and they don't like it. They don't like what's going on and they're in a sense saying, God fix this now. I thought that you would make my life easier and this is not easier. And they get mad at God, okay? They say things like, God, if you don't heal my dad, I'm walking, I'm getting out of here. I'm not gonna serve you. They look at other people and they compare themselves when they're in their lowest moment. It isn't it funny, isn't it interesting that when we're in our lowest spiritual moment, 
or we feel down, Facebook presents other people who are at the mountaintop. And we begin to compare where we are in the middle of our pain with somebody else and we take Satan's bait and we get caught up in that and we think God doesn't love me because he's not treating me the same way as he's treating her. And the comparison trap drops us right in and it can force us into a place of no, God, I'm stuck. But you know, God's word declares that trials and tribulations will come, difficulties will come, and they will actually be the very thing that moves you past that stage into maturity. He wants to grow us because the mature believer says, I don't like it, but I trust you. I know my healing or my miracle was already paid for on the cross, but if it doesn't happen right now, I'm staying faithful. You've brought me through enough battles that I know you'll get me through this one too. I'm staying faithful to my church, to my connect group. I'm staying faithful on my knees. I will stay true to you even in my suffering. Can I get an amen? See, a person is mature when they don't view their role or their position as the ultimate level of success. Change my job, change my stuff, get rid of my house, I'm still gonna be secure. They can cheer others on who are in their place of promotion and things are going better for them without getting jealous or bitter against them. Listen, a secure, spiritually mature individual has the capacity to build others up around them instead of knocking them down through cynicism. The sign that you are not a spiritually mature person is when you're cynical. When you are critical of other people because something inside of you doesn't feel right, it's probably because you're a teenager in your faith. Mm. Now here's the key to growing in maturity. It's through trials and tribulations, James 1, 2, and 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, it's, it's in the struggle. And how many know the struggle is real, right? But it's in the struggle. Here, uh, spiritually mature people, spiritual parents help the infants walk through. They begin to educate people and help them understand and have conversations here. They listen to the whining, but they don't put up for it too, too long here. But essentially, they're wanting the, the faith they want this person to pass the test because instead of whining about where you are and how your life stinks and how you don't like so-and-so and why your boss treats you wrong, why do people talk behind your back? Instead of living here and circling the desert in this stage, listen, this is exactly what the Israelites did. When they had to wander in the desert for 40 years and a whole generation died, died off because they, and they couldn't go into the promised land because they whined and complained. They couldn't pass the test in the desert. 
You and I need to learn to pass the test in our pain so that we can move toward maturity. Can I get an amen? That's what we have to do. The enemy's plan is to kill your faith in that stage, to stump you and to stall you. And if you're stalled, you are in the young adult group. You become vulnerable and you eventually, the seed doesn't produce what it could. The only way to get to maturity level is through those trials and tribulations. And listen, in the middle of it, trust me, I know the struggle is real. In the middle of it, God begins to speak to you. And he gently whispers, just let go of that other stuff. Pursue what I'm telling you to do. And sometimes it may be sacrifice of time and energy. Another time, whatever it may be, you can begin to think, man, if I do that, if I go on that missions trip, if I give that money, I'm going to get more spiritual warfare and it's going to get worse. And that's the enemy whispering in your ear. You're making a deal with the devil and the devil never delivers on his promises. Shut the mouth of the enemy and mature believers lean in during tough times. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example and you must follow in his steps. Friends, when you go through trials and tribulations... It's your promotion. It's what gets you to your next level of living. It's what helps the seed continue to grow, and it becomes fruitful 30, 60, and 100 times. The New Testament, our sisters and brothers in the New Testament, they experienced great tribulation far greater than we have. They went through Roman Colosseum stuff where lions eat them. They were stoned. For those of you who don't understand that word, Stone means actual stones were picked up and thrown at people. It didn't mean that they got bombed on drugs or something. They were cut asunder, it says in Hebrews. They were hurt. Families were split apart. And yet their maturity moved them forward. We get upset when we get mocked or we lose a friend or we lose a job or somebody talked about me. But those moments are not moments to avoid. And it doesn't mean you're bad because you're in it. It just means it's a test that you need to pass so that you can move toward maturity. Just uh, two weeks ago today in Egypt, Egyptian uh, Coptic Christians gathered together in their churches. And ISIS planted a bomb in their church in Cairo or just outside of Cairo. And dozens of people were wounded and killed. One week later, just one week ago, on Easter Sunday, churches throughout Egypt were filled with Christians, not bowing to the trials and the tribulations. They persevered. They worshiped God. They heard the word. They were mature. Listen, if the enemy is trying to stop you, how much does it take to get you to stop? Is it one bad week? Is it one person that does you wrong and turns their back on you? Is it one failed paycheck where you're at the end of your rope and the finances aren't there and you're giving up on Jehovah Jireh? What is it that it takes to get you to stop? And I would just say this. Every person who ever backslid 
could retrace their steps to a point where God was leading them to do something and they told him no. If you're in a place where you are stuck, go back to the place where God was leading you and begin to say yes to him. Repentance is simple. It's not just to get saved. Repentance is a lifestyle for Christians. It's course corrections. It's changing the direction we're on. If I find myself getting off the path, I need to turn and get back on the right path. You and I have the opportunity to grow and we don't have to be whiners about it. Come on, somebody. We don't have to whine. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. God has placed greatness in you. That seed is in you. God wants to call it out. And he's going to allow you to go through trials, moments of testing. And you need to pass the test. Friends, I know that God wants to do more through you and your future than you've ever imagined before. And the truth is, I want every one of us to grow at every stage. I want the infant to grow. I want the infant to begin to find faith and understanding as they move along. And I want to see them mature believers come along and help them through that process. I want to see children who have been preached to all the time, told what to do. And by the way, too many people in the church world are stuck right here. They evaluate their spiritual food through the preacher. If all you're getting for a meal is on Sunday from me, you're not gonna grow. You gotta learn to eat for yourself. How was church today? Oh, the pastor's okay. Word was all right. Listen, the word of God is living and active without me. You need to learn to eat it for yourself. I'm about to preach now, shoot. I want to see people move into the phase of why and what, but this is a very vulnerable stage. Many have abandoned their faith in this stage. They've misinterpreted the moment. They've listened to others. Even in a chronological age category, as a former youth pastor, I watched many kids when they hit their junior, senior year of high school, move into college, they become aware of a whole other world of thinking. Mom and dad's word doesn't mean as much anymore. Just because Pastor Nate said it doesn't mean everything. I want to learn. It's okay to, to search. It's okay to turn the rock over. But you need spiritually mature people to help you not get off the path when you're there. This relationship is absolutely critical between the mature and the adolescent. We all need spiritual covering. And you know what I wanna see? I wanna see the spiritually mature, not think that their best days are behind them, but to recognize the whole reason God has grown them is so that they can grow them, so that they can be who God has designed them to be, the follower. Friends, I know, I know God wants you to grow the next generation. He wants you to be a part of investing in others. If you say, oh, that's great, but I have my time. I serve my time like it's prison or something. I volunteered before. It's time for somebody else to do it. And meanwhile, you move from the last seat to the third seat. We've got a lot of spiritually long-term people that have gone to church 
that now they've kind of bought the spirit of the age. It's all about getting to retirement. It's all about having fun. It's all about just having trips all the time. Those are great. Vacations are important. But let me tell you this. If your view of church is that your time serving is over, your view of Jesus is tainted. You should follow in his steps. Not the spirit of the age. Not the people around you. I want you to turn around and help the next generation. If you're struggling right now and you're in a difficult season, I don't want to single you out because there's nothing wrong about that. It's a divine appointment. You, your struggle is your promotion. It's your opportunity to move next. So embrace it. Embrace it and find that he develops endurance in you and then growth and maturity come in you and the time will come when you're no longer viewing life through what it does to you but what you can offer to those that are around you.